Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. On today's show, I want to discuss the biggest risers and fallers from the NFL draft with a specific focus on rounds two through seven. I might touch on some of the first round guys, but you can hear my full breakdown, including my early projections for each of them on the last episode that came out on Friday. So go back, listen to that one. I also want to quickly go over the most notable undrafted rookies who have signed so far. It's an area where you could find a lot of value in dynasty and redraft leagues if you're paying attention. People don't tend to notice some of those signings, maybe as much as they should. They kind of go under the radar. We're not going to have OTAs this year, so you won't get as many of those little blurbs trickling out about them dominating practice. But there's a few guys that you need to have on your watch list already. I'll let you know who they are. And then we'll finish things up by going over the player trades that we saw go down over the weekend, all of which somehow involve the 49ers. Matt Breda going to Miami, Marquise Goodwin to the Eagles, and then Trent Williams finally escaping Washington and landing in a great spot in San Francisco. Before we get to that, now that the draft is done, fantasy drafts are going to be ramping up soon. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're using and check out some of the other great shows we offer on the Score Podcast Network like Pound the Rock, where our NBA guys are breaking down that Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. It is awesome. Or the Score MMA podcast with James Lynch. He always has outstanding guests. He's had Tony Ferguson and Michael Bisbing and Chris Cyborg. The list goes on and on. They've all been on the podcast in the last month or so. Definitely worth your time to give it a listen. Okay, let's kick things off with the risers after the draft. And we have to start with the running backs. I wrote an article breaking down the outlooks for the top rookie running backs, including their 2020 projections. Some very, very early 2020 projections, I might add. And these landing spots, they are as good as it gets. I mean, we can start with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going to the Chiefs with the 32nd overall pick, the last pick of the opening night of the draft. What a phenomenal landing spot. Just He's a three-down back, just exploded in his last season at LSU. He's capable of grinding out yards on the ground. He's capable of getting it done as a pass catcher as well. And multiple members of that Chiefs front office have compared him to Brian Westbrook. And Andy Reid went as far as to say he might even be better than Westbrook. Some of that could be hyperbole. Some of that could be excitement over getting him on the roster. But now we're going to see how he factors in. You have to think he's going to be the lead back there with so much draft capital put in. I don't think Damian Williams is going away. I think you're going to look at something like a 70-30 split probably, maybe 65-35, where Edwards Hilaire is going to have the ball of the touches there, but Damian Williams will still be involved. That coaching staff, they trust him. They like him a lot. We saw what he's done for them the last two playoff runs. So even with him involved, Edwards Hilaire is still a top 15 back in my rankings already in 2020. Just great to see, exciting to have another young, talented running back in the league. Jonathan Taylor ends up in a great spot with the Colts behind maybe the best offensive line in football. It's perfect for him. This is perfect. Even if he doesn't get more involved as a receiver, we saw during his senior season, he tried, he improved a little in that area and they got him involved a little bit more. We don't know if that's how the Colts are going to use him. They have Naheem Hines there. Marlon Mack's a half decent pass catcher and they really never used him in that role. So even if Taylor comes in and is just an early down workhorse, Behind that line with Phillip Rivers helping to stabilize that offense as well, 
Taylor could be the rookie of the year. That's the kind of upside he has in this offense. I'm looking at him as a high-end RB2 with RB1 upside if he can stay on the field for passing downs especially. Cam Akers goes to the Rams. That's a wide-open situation there. There's a lot of things to not like about it, like the offensive line. They got to improve that offensive line before we get too excited. But we saw last year that Gurley was able to get it done on volume and on scoring opportunities. So if Akers can win this lead-back role, and I think he's going to, he could get it done on that kind of volume there that he's going to see even if the efficiency isn't as good. But also, in college, Akers was running behind a terrible offensive line and still stood out. So he can get it done behind subpar blocking. We've seen it done before, and it's bad news for Daryl Henderson. You have to think that Daryl Henderson's going to take a back seat, and this tells us a lot about what that coaching staff thinks about Henderson. If they're going out a year later, getting a running back who's going to come in and potentially be the starter right out of the gate. J.K. Dobbins, now this is a strange one because I didn't really like Dobbins as much as some people coming out. I didn't think he was going to be a bust necessarily, but I thought he was a little bit closer to an average back than he was to an elite back, but he's going to the Ravens offense. So this year, I think Mark Ingram is going to continue to be the lead back. Ingram has brought an attitude to that locker room. I don't think they're going to just cast him aside for Dobbins. So we're going to see him work his way in as a rookie with Ingram still being the lead back. But the exciting thing here is more moving forward. 2021, what's going to happen beyond this year? That's when Dobbins could really stand out in one of the best rushing attacks in the league. You really got to like his upside. He could be an RB1, not this year, but moving forward. Unless, of course... We have an injury, and that stands for all running backs. But if Mark Ingram went down, Dobbins would be somebody that could be a league winner this season. Keyshawn Vaughn is the other rookie back who might be walking into a starting job. There's been some debate already on whether Ronald Jones will keep it, whether it's going to be Vaughn. I think when you look at what that coaching staff wants to do with Tom Brady involved, they want somebody who's a decent pass blocker. They want somebody who can contribute on receiving downs that's the kind of guy that Keyshawn Vaughn is. We haven't seen Ronald Jones do that consistently as a pro. So I think you're going to look at Keyshawn Vaughn as someone who's going to come in and take the lead back job there in another sort of committee. So I don't have his projection too high in that offense right now, but he's somebody that is going to be in the low end RB2 conversation. And he's probably going to get overdrafted because everyone's going to be so excited about Tom Brady. The Bucks are the bandwagon team this year. So the hype's going to rise around Vaughn and he's probably going to end up having an ADP that's going to be a little higher than it should be this year. But he has that RB2 type upside in fantasy, even as a rookie. Now, it wasn't just running backs who are risers after the draft here. The Bengals' skill position players, I think we have to mention them. Joe Burrow showing up. He's going to ignite that offense. It increases the ceiling for A.J. Green, for Tyler Boyd, and even for T. Higgins, who they took with the first pick of the second round. Because Green isn't a lock to stick around in Cincy. This year, we don't know what's going to happen. Is he going to come back and play on that franchise tag? Is he going to try to push to to get traded and get out of Cincinnati? So Higgins could step in to a bigger role sooner rather than later, depending how that Green situation plays out. But with Burrow now in that offense, it increases the ceiling for everybody in Cincinnati. Tom Brady is another riser. We mentioned Keyshawn Vaughn already. He's going to help that offense get better. Brady got some help on the offensive line and tackled Tristan Wirfs in the first round. They got a nice value pick and wide out Tyler Johnson in the fifth. He's definitely shaping up to be a low-end QB1 
with more fantasy upside as well than you would expect for a 43-year-old quarterback just because all the weapons around him in that offense. Guys like Phillip Rivers and Derek Carr also got some more weapons to work with this weekend, so they make the risers list as well. I still have them down as QB2s, though. They don't have as much upside as Brady does in 2020, because even with the new receiver additions, I expect the Colts and the Raiders to be pretty run-heavy this season. A couple other lower-level quarterbacks worth mentioning here as risers. Drew Locke just getting surrounded by a ton of speed in Denver. John Elway drafted Jerry Judy. KJ Hamler is going to pair them at receiver with Cortland Sutton. He also brought in athletic freak Albert Akui Boonham to join Noah Fant at tight end. They already have Melvin Gordon and Phillip Rivers in the backfield. And that offensive line should get better in year two under Mike Munchak. So Locke has a long way to go before he's fantasy relevant, but he's on the late round QB radar now. He could become a fantasy starter at some point just because of all the talent around him there. Jared Stidham also has to be talked about. It might only be for the time being because it really seems like this could be a situation where they go out and sign somebody in New England, maybe Cam Newton, that could happen. The deadline for free agent signing when it counts against the compensatory pick formula is this week. So don't be surprised if they go out and ink a guy like Newton, but the Patriots didn't draft a quarterback. They did sign a couple undrafted guys, but nobody who's going to come in and become the starter right away here. So Stidham's the leader in the clubhouse. And like I said, it might be someone like Newton that ends up taking over. But for now, we have to look at Stidham as a guy that is a bit of a sleeper in fantasy right now. He's got more rushing ability than people realize, and the weapons in New England aren't as bad as people make it seem. He's also got excellent game planning on his side there with Belichick and McDaniels. Let's keep moving on here. Dolphins pass catchers, another group of risers. Not only did they get a potential franchise quarterback and Tua Tagovailoa with the fifth pick, They also addressed their offensive line, multiple selections there, but the Dolphins didn't add any pass-catching help, so that's good news for Devontae Parker and Preston Williams and tight end Mike Gusecki as well. At the moment, seems like they're all going to be undervalued in upcoming drafts. Williams is coming off that torn ACL in November, but if the team isn't investing in the position, they must feel pretty confident about his recovery. Denzel Mims is a riser. He fell a little further than expected in the draft, ended up going in the late second round, but the landing spot's pretty nice with the Jets. They're still looking for a true number one wideout. Mims has the ability to be that guy. It might take a little bit of development, but he has that kind of skill set. And now when you think about that receiving core in New York, you have a solid slot man, Jamison Crowder, a field stretcher in Brashad Perriman. I know some people think that he could be more than that, but at worst, he has the speed to open things up. You have Chris Herndon, who's a young, promising tight end. You have Ryan Griffin, who's a stable veteran backup if Herndon doesn't pan out. Le'Veon Bell didn't do much on the ground last year, but he's still an excellent pass-catching back, and he might improve some of those rushing numbers now that they have a couple offensive line upgrades there this year. And then Mims comes in with a chance to step up and be the top option on the outside. It's good news for Sam Darnold. He should be on that risers list. The only question here and the thing that kind of looms over everything is Adam Gase. Hopefully Adam Gase doesn't find a way to screw this up, which we know he probably will. Uh, LaVisca Cheneau going to the Jags. I also really like this one. The passing game could take a big step forward with Jay Gruden there as the offensive coordinator now. And outside of DJ Shark, who made the leap last year, there's not much in this receiving core. D.D. Westbrook's been inconsistent. 
Chris Conley is more of a, an average outside threat, but Chanot is a versatile talent. He can win at all levels. You can give him handoffs as well. So don't be surprised if he comes in and ends up being maybe a Debo Samuel type player for fantasy where he's getting involved with some work on the ground as well, boosting up his numbers. And as long as he can stay healthy, which was the biggest knock on his game in college, Chanot has the talent to be one of the top receivers in this class. Now we got to talk about some of the fallers as well. Let's look at the other side of things. We talked about all the rookie running backs with their arrivals. Well, that hurts all these incumbent backs on those teams. Guys like Marlon Mack, Damian Williams, Carrion Johnson, they're all going to enter the season at best in a timeshare now. Whereas before we thought they had a chance to be the lead backs in those offense, which would have given them RB2, maybe even RB1 upside in some places. They're not going to be completely phased out of the offense because that's just not how the NFL works now. There aren't many true bell cow backs anymore. So these guys will remain involved, but there's pretty much zero chance we're going to see them get lead back volume barring an injury happen to one of these rookies coming in. It pushes their stock way down in fantasy drafts, obviously below those rookie teammates in every single one of those cases. You also have Ronald Jones and Daryl Henderson who kind of get lumped into this group. They were positioned to potentially become lead backs this year. Not anymore. I'm taking Vaughn and Akers over them as well. I'm not as worried about Devin Singletary. He's now going to share the backfield with Zach Moss because the front office, they already said Moss is going to come in and play that Frank Gore type role. All this does is prevent Singletary from having a shot at a big time increase in touches. He's still in the low end RB2 discussion though in that offense. The bigger concern for him is still going to be Josh Allen vulturing touchdowns at the goal line there. Not sure what the plan was in Green Bay, but we have to put Aaron Rodgers and maybe the Packers as a whole on the fallers list. They didn't draft a single receiver. I guess that's great news for Alan Lazard to a lesser extent, Devin Funches as well, who are already on the roster, but It seems pretty bizarre. I'm not going to go too much into this because it seems like everybody's been killing the Packers over the last few days, but it seems very strange to have a Hall of Fame quarterback that just helped you get to the NFC Championship and not try to get him some more help. Devonta Adams is great. We know that, but unless you plan on getting him 200 targets this year, I'm not sure what we're doing here, Green Bay. I heard somebody suggest, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was that actually suggested this. I'd like to give them credit, but Someone over the last couple of days suggested maybe the Packers are not planning on there being an NFL season in 2020. and Instead, they're investing in guys like Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon who might start for them down the road when Rodgers retires, when Aaron Jones maybe leaves in free agency. Who knows? It's anything's possible. Rodgers is still a fringe QB1 for me, but he could have been bumped up a little bit had the Packers invested an early pick or even any pick in one of the deepest receiver classes that we've seen in a while. Tyrod Taylor, anyone that thought he was going to deliver for fantasy this year, doesn't seem like that window is going to be very big if he does at all. Veterans probably going to start the season, but Justin Herbert's going to take over at some point, which is good news for the Chargers pass catchers because Tyrod's limited. He tends to play it safe. With him under center, the team would have been forced to slow things down, rely on the run, and that defense that's really improving. Herbert gives them a chance to be a little more aggressive in the passing game, though we might not really see Herbert hit his stride until 2021 or even later. 
But as I mentioned on the episode on Friday, he has a chance to surprise some people this year, maybe put up some Josh Allen-like numbers with his rushing ability and his ability to throw down field in the big arm there. Jalen Hurts is a quarterback that unfortunately has to end up on the fallers list. I had some excitement. I talked about him in the lead up to the draft. Could land in a situation where a team tries to build around him. Not quite like Lamar Jackson, but maybe a poor man's Lamar Jackson kind of situation. Unfortunately, now he's stuck behind Carson Wentz on that Eagles depth chart. So don't expect him to get any real run unless Wentz goes down, which we know is possible. We've seen Wentz get hurt several times, but Hurts isn't looking like he's going to have a starting role for a while, if ever, which is very bad news for his fantasy outlook. We know opportunity is so important for fantasy, not just at QB, at every position. You're not going to produce if you aren't on the field. That's why we talk about draft capital. The more a team invests in you, the better your chance of getting playing time early on. Even so, I'm always on the lookout for later round picks or undrafted guys who can land in interesting situations. I wrote about my favorite day three picks over the weekend. You can check that out on the score app. I want to talk about just a couple of them here, and we're mostly going to focus on running back because that's where rookies tend to stand out when we're talking about late round picks who can come in and make a big impact in year one. Anthony McFarlane's the first guy I want to talk about going to the Steelers. James Conner's proven he can produce at a high level, but injuries have limited his availability. And at times his effectiveness as well. So prior to the draft, the Steelers were pretty open about their plan to bring in some competition at running back. They waited until the fourth round. They got McFarlane. He's a player who could take over this job. Maybe not this season, but maybe next year if they don't bring Connor back, he has an extra gear. He runs with violence. He scraps for every yard. He's really good at identifying the defense and he's got the agility to maintain his speed around the line of scrimmage when he's making cuts. Very comfortable as a receiver as well, and that's probably where he's going to get work early on. Makes him an excellent complementary option there, and somebody who has that three-down ability to possibly take over if Connor gets hurt, or like I said, next year if they decide not to bring him back in Pittsburgh. LaMichael Pirine went to the Jets. He's somebody I liked a lot leading up into the draft here. He goes to a team now where he's not going to get the starting role anytime soon, but he's going to be the immediate backup. There's not much on that depth chart behind Le'Veon Bell. So there is a possibility here that if Bell gets hurt at some point in 2020, Pirine could become very fantasy relevant. He's on that list of lottery ticket backup running backs that you're going to want to look at and redraft. And somebody that I think has sneaky dynasty upside as a third round pick as well. Joshua Kelly goes to the Chargers. He's going to be in a battle now with Justin Jackson to potentially be that that complimentary back to Austin Eckler in that offense. Another situation where he is not going to become the lead back. That is Austin Eckler's job now. But we could see another back put up decent, potentially flex stats in that offense. It's going to require Kelly to win that job from Justin Jackson though, and he's got a chance to do it. He's five foot 11, 212 pounds, a little bit bigger than somebody like Justin Jackson. So if the Chargers want somebody with a little more bulk, could be more of a hammer as a compliment to Eckler, maybe Kelly's going to be that guy. And then the other late round guy I want to mention is DJ Dallas going to the Seahawks. Normally you'd look at this and you'd say they have Chris Carson, they have Rashad Penny. Why on earth do I care about DJ Dallas going there? Well, Penny suffered that torn ACL in week 14. Carson fractured his hip in the finale. Both those guys 
are really unknowns heading into this season. Penny, I don't think, is going to be available at the beginning of the year. Carson, it seems like he has a better chance to be around for the start of the season. But if either of those guys miss time, or maybe both of them miss time early in the year, we could see DJ Dallas get a surprising amount of work in an offense that is built around the run. So just something to keep in mind as we get closer to September. There's also a few undrafted players that I want to discuss as well. I'm just going to rattle them off. These are the kind of guys that you want to have on your watch list that, like I said off the top, we're not going to have OTAs, so there's not going to be that trickle of information coming out about them. But these are guys who I like the talent and the landing spot combination altogether. The first is Tyson Williams going to the Ravens. He is a running back. We know how good that ground attack can be. He's got to make the team first like all these guys, but if he does, he's somebody to keep an eye on. Scotty Phillips going to provide depth in the backfield for the Texans. If David Johnson doesn't pan out, maybe he'll get more of an opportunity. James Robinson going to the Jaguars. Could see Leonard Fournette get traded, at which point that backfield would be wide open. Javon Leak to the Giants. They really don't have an established backup. They went out and signed Deion Lewis, but Leak has a chance to win that backup job. Michael Warren going to the Eagles. If something were to happen to Miles Sanders, there's not that much on that depth chart. They have Boston Scott, but he's more of a pass catching back. Maybe Michael Warren could get in there and get some touches. And then anytime the 49ers sign a running back, you have to take notice. And they signed two and two guys that I actually like Jamichael Hasty and Salvin Ahmed. So keep an eye out for who makes the team there. And if they do, anybody in that 49ers backfield could emerge as the lead back at some point. So they're guys that you're going to want to stash in Dynasty. A couple other guys I want to mention who aren't running backs. Jeff Thomas, the receiver, going to the Patriots. Nice mix of talent and potentially opportunity. Once again, might not happen this year, but over the next couple of years, he could get a chance there. At tight end, Jacob Breland to the Ravens. The Ravens are always using their tight ends. I was surprised that Jacob Breland didn't get drafted, but he's a player that was putting up big stats before he got hurt last year in college. Keep an eye out for him. If an opportunity arises because of injury, he's a player that could step up for the Ravens. And then Hunter Bryant, my number one ranked tight end. He did not get drafted and he ended up in a pretty bad spot with the Lions because he's behind a guy who is an elite prospect TJ Hawkinson, who got hurt last season, but he's going to be the the lead tight end in that offense. So Hunter Bryant's behind the eight ball a little bit, but he has the talent to become something in the pros. Let's hope that he gets the opportunity there. And let's wrap things up today just by touching on some of those trades that the 49ers made over the weekend. Matt Breda going to the Dolphins was the first one. People seem to get pretty excited about this one, but it's kind of a bummer from a fantasy perspective. Yes, it does give Breda a chance to escape a very crowded backfield in San Francisco where, let's face it, he had fallen out of favor, but now he goes to Miami where he's going to split time with Jordan Howard, making this a pretty unappealing tandem, I think. The, the Dolphins, I actually like that offense. I talked about their passing attack a little bit earlier. It just seems like we're headed for a fairly even split, which is going to hold back the upside of both players. Breda also has... Pretty extensive injury history. He tends to play through it, don't get me wrong, but don't be surprised if he gets banged up. And if I had to pick between the two of them, I'm actually taking Howard in fantasy. We've seen him be productive as a top 20 fantasy back in PPR formats for three and a half years. Breda flashed, I know, but it was in that 49ers offense where everybody flashes. So 
I'm not convinced that he's going to sustain over time. I'd be looking at Howard as the guy that I would want to own, but really I'm probably going to shy away from that backfield entirely now. The next deal was Marquise Goodwin heading to the Eagles. I'm actually shocked the 49ers got anything for him in a trade. It wasn't much, so he's not a lock to make that roster, but he gives the Eagles another speedy receiver. That was their goal this offseason. They accomplished it. They got Goodwin. They got Jalen Rieger. They also drafted John Hightower and Quez Watkins. So they won't be left empty-handed at receiver like they were last season if injuries hit again. We also need to see what happens with Alshon Jeffrey there. Will he be on the roster when the season kicks off? We don't know. There's lots of questions still to be answered. I wouldn't be expecting much fantasy value from Goodwin at this point, though. And then the 49ers made arguably the best move of the entire weekend by trading for stud left tackle Trent Williams. We found out later it was to replace Joe Staley, who's going to retire. In the end, this ends up being a wash because of that from a fantasy perspective. But it's a great addition to be able to have your veteran star left tackle leave and replace him with another pro bowler at that position and to do it for really not much of an investment, a fifth round this year, a third rounder next year. It's why these smart organizations continue to dominate the league. The 49ers are definitely among that list now. This offense is going to continue chugging along that rushing attack, one of the best in the league. And with Breda gone now, look for Jarek McKinnon to get involved again. Raheem Mostert, still the back to own, the guy with the most upside. Tevin Coleman working in as well. But McKinnon could get a rollback now that Matt Breda is out of the way. That is all for today's show. Remember, This is only the beginning of breaking down the incoming rookie class as we start to really focus in on the 2020 fantasy season. I have a ton of content coming out over the next few months as we get ready to launch the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit, which should be out around the end of May, and it'll be updated constantly right up until week one. If you want more content from the NFL Draft, make sure you're scrolling around the Score app and checking out the NFL Fantasy News section. You can also hit me up on Twitter with questions at Justin Boone. Big thanks to those of you who've already sent some in. Keep them coming. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.